Welcome to the Legend Rewind Podcast. I'm Rusty Ellis, and this week it's a special episode. Joining me is former White County and Tennessee Tech baseball star and current member of the Chicago Cubs organization, Ethan Roberts. We discuss his career, his love for baseball, and where it began, as well as what he's doing today in his downtime. Without further ado, let's get started. All right, Ethan, so uh, first thing we'll talk about just kind of what's your earliest memory of baseball going all the way back? Um, I was playing over here in Sparta. Uh, we were Bill Borough Automotive and T-Ball. <laughs> okay. And uh, Randy Wallace, who's now my insurance agent, <laughs> was my coach. So, yeah, that's, that's my earliest memory probably. Coach turned insurance agent. I don't yeah. think I've heard that one before. That's pretty funny. I'm sure you talk to him regularly, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. So for for you, what 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 about baseball drew your interest? Like, what what was it that made you fall in love with the game? Obviously, it's taken you very far. But yeah. What made you fall in love with the game? So everybody nowadays is into, and I'm going to answer this a little different than you've probably heard before. <laughs> but everybody nowadays is into instant gratification. Okay. So things that happen fast, people seem to find more interesting, like basketball and football. Yeah. I was a little bit opposite. Okay. I enjoyed the, I guess you could say, sophisticated nature of baseball. It was slow. Okay. It was well-thought-out plans that were executed. And I didn't figure that out until I was in, like, high school. Right? <laughs> but I had, a, I had a really fun time playing any sport up until that point and then like my last few years in middle school I was like okay this is this is the one I want to play I'm really good at it I, I have a chance to do something with it I just at least want to get my school paid for with it hopefully and uh, but yeah it's in today's in today's world everybody wants like that instant fast quick exciting whatever and I've always found that in the little spurts of baseball where you throw a pitch every 30 seconds instead of running down the court every half a second, you know. So that kind of slower nature, that kind of yeah. more more methodical nature of it then, that's right. kind of what you love? Okay. That's interesting. I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll talk a little more about it later because, I, you know, there's something I was going to ask you about the draft. We're going to get yeah, to that a little yeah. bit later, obviously, because it's obviously much different than other drafts in professional yeah. sports. Yeah. Uh, but – when you began playing t-ball, what was your first, like, experience playing organized ball where it's, you know, again, more, you know, kid – I don't want to say kid pitch, but that's yeah, kind of yeah, more yeah. or less what it is. Um, what was your first experience kind of playing that? Was travel ball ever something that you got into? Yeah, um, I actually played one year of coach's pitch travel ball. Okay. And it was super cool. It was kind of like – it was kind of like just the intro to semi-serious baseball. When I say that, I'm <laughs> – seven years old but I got you semi serious you know what I'm saying so it was kind of that's kind of like my first intro to that and then you know of course I we play you play you go pitch machine and then live arm I think now it's just coaches pitch live arm they don't even do pitch machine anymore but uh and then live arm starts at nine I played live arm in Sparta till I was 11 and then I played summer ball travel ball pretty much every day every year after that as a little kid what's it like the first time you go out there and you see another kid your age on the mound What's that like? It kind of freaks you out <laughs> because you're used to, like, two wheels spitting the ball at you at 40 miles an hour, and this kid's throwing one at you at 40, and he has no idea where it's going, number one. Number two, he I'm may be throwing beat. harder than 40, you know? So. I got you. So you mentioned it that, you know, up until high school, a lot of it was about the, kind of the developmental process of it all. What for you came easy in the game of baseball? I know probably none of it did at first, but what for you do you feel like you kind of, like, when you're learning this part of the game, this kind of came a little bit more naturally to you? Um, so baseball is a very rotational sport. Um, you know, kind of, I mean, just, just comparing it to other sports, but, like, uh, football, basketball, stuff like that, you're just running, athletic, moving, everything. Yeah. Baseball is very rotational, whether you're swinging or whether you're pitching. And... Uh, it was like, I feel like that came a little more natural to me, being a, like a powerful, rotational, quick twitch athlete. And so I had, like, I was probably the smallest guy on the entire field. And at the time, I didn't know it or didn't realize it, but throwing the hardest and hitting it the hardest and hitting it the furthest, just because the rotational part of the sport came easy. Okay, that's interesting. So, what part of the game was more kind of? It took you a little bit longer to, you know, to learn. Um, I would probably say 
infill ground balls for sure. That was bad. I got I got to where I could you know do pretty good, but it was that's that's the part I had to work on a ton. Um, of course, hitting is the hardest thing to do in any sport in the universe. I agree. So that took me a while, um, and I don't hit anymore because I can't hit at this level. There's no way. Um, but I'd say those two things would probably be you know the infield infield stuff, known situations, all that stuff, and that comes with maturity too. But hitting is the hardest thing to do in, in the universe. So I'd probably say that. So, so in the age-old discussion of would you rather block Aaron Donald or try to hit a fastball from Randy Johnson, you're saying that you would much rather try oh, yeah. to block Aaron Donald. 100%. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You'd rather I'll, block Aaron Donald, tackle Derrick Henry, something like that, right? Absolutely. I'd rather get ran over than, <laughs> if my life depended on it than try and hit a Randy Johnson fastball. <laughs> So, you mentioned something that was really interesting to me, and that was that in middle school, you started thinking that, you know, you're really good at this, this is what you want to focus on. Does it not seem like that was, that'd be maybe an early age to think that, like, this is something I get in my school? Because it seems like that's very early, and a yeah. lot of kids probably don't think like that. Right, and I think that comes from, like, the competition that you start playing at. Like, like travel ball's good if you have something to showcase. If you don't, it's not really worth it. Does that make sense? So, like, you got, so let's say you've got an eighth grade kid. Typically, today, you've got an eighth grade kid that throws 75. Okay. I was an eighth grade kid that was throwing 82. So, that was, I felt like that was something, and my, my parents felt like that was something that I could showcase in a travel ball session, like a travel ball event or whatever. Yeah. So, if, if you have something to showcase, travel ball is awesome. But at that moment, like when I going back to your question, like that level of competition, going from like Sparta Little League, Sparta Babe Ruth, and then you go to that competition and you're still getting the same result, you're like, okay, I guess I'm pretty good. You begin to think about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's funny because you, you're obviously very confident, but you seem like a very humble guy. Like you don't like. Did that ever rub anybody the wrong way? I would never. I would never show so. <laughs> I uh, emotion or, or, or talk up to myself like that to anybody, honestly. Okay. It's uh, it's just kind of like uh, you have to be a little bit to be able to compete. Yeah. But in the moment, I'm better than anybody. Yeah. But when I'm sitting here at this table, I'm going to tell you that I'm not. Yeah. But when I'm in the moment and I'm facing Mike Trout, I'm better than Mike Trout. You know what I mean? I got you. No, I, no, I like that. So, at that level, you know, before we get to the high schools part yeah, of it, uh, yeah. at that level, who were other coaches that really made an impact on you? Um, I had a, so when I was, I'd say I was 14. Um, we were, I was playing with my little team from Cookville, and this guy was watching our game. He was actually watching another guy on my team to try and get him to come play with him. You know how that goes. These I coaches are trying to recruit and travel. <laughs> so anyway, he, I had pitched that game and threw like six innings and slid in at home, scored a run, you know, whatever. And he would tell the story better. But he got my number. He called the courthouse and he got my number, <laughs> my home phone number, and called me. My dad answered it and was like, who in the world is this? <laughs> and he told him, you know, and we went up to, we, he was from Lebanon. Yeah. And we went up to Lebanon for, for a little gig with him and I, I started playing with him. Now, he didn't play any past Babe Ruth. Like he, but he had connections. And he was, like he taught me how to be like the person and the attitude that I have today. Like he, t- he taught us how to be better young men rather than, throw 95, okay. if that makes sense. No, I, I got you. So he talked about more of the off-the-field stuff right. in addition to the on-field stuff. But he also put us in situations where we would be exposed and where we could succeed to show off our showcase. How important is having somebody like that in terms of, you know, again, making it as far as you have, having somebody that has connections and that knows yeah. where, to, where to send you? It's it's huge and because there's so many there's so many things out there, especially in today's time, and it, you get – 30 pieces of paper in the mail per year and it's like come to my camp for six thousand dollars we'll get your kids signed and it's like you guys got to be careful and being able to have somebody for that guidance is important 
So for a lot of people, I think going from you know middle school to high school, that's a pretty big jump, obviously, yeah. in talent level. And a lot of people have said that you know you play a sport like baseball, basketball, football, it almost feels like you're playing a different game at right. that level. Right. Uh, what was that jump like for you? You had said as an eighth grader you're already throwing 82. So what was that jump like for you? Um, so eighth grade, I'm throwing 82. And I'm still playing other positions at this point. The other positions were really hard. I, it was hard for me to make a play and throw an 18-year-old kid out running from home to first at, from shortstop at 14 for me. That was tough. Um, hitting a kid that's throwing 87. We would face, like, there was two, two twins at Cookville, the Paisley brothers. They were both 87 to 90, and I was a freshman trying to face them. Like, it was, it was hard. Um, but the part that still was pretty, I wouldn't say easy, but it was easier than doing all that mess, <laughs> was pitching. I still had, you know, decent success doing that. And uh, facing facing guys that were four years older than me made me so much better. How, so I think a lot of people that watch the game of baseball have this question. How do you get to the point where you're throwing 80 miles an hour? Is it just pitching every day? Is there a lot of weight that goes into it as well? Talk about that preparation. So I didn't really get into, like in high school, I didn't really get into weights much. I graduated, I was – Five eight, five nine, a buck twenty five. I didn't get into weights much at all. Um, I think some of it is a portion of his natural ability. A portion of it is throwing long tossing the right way. There's like a method to the madness. It's not just like you know getting out there and throwing. Also, you have to get out there and throw before your season starts too. So, you know, kids will pick up a ball in January and try and play in February. I was picking up a ball in September. So it's like just the preparation part of it, just kind of, it's kind of conditions your arm a little bit. It's like trying to run a marathon without any practice, without any yeah. um, And then my dad would always tell me, be the guy that nobody wants to throw with. So throw hard all the time. That's basically what I do. I love it. So another interesting point there, you know, a lot of people talk about a lot of sports now as year-round sports, you know, football and basketball, when you look at, like, off-season workouts. But baseball really is when you look at how long the regular season is and you look at how much you have to prepare for it. It's the only one, like, spring training for the majors, it feels like it's so much more in-depth than training camp for, like, the NFL or for basketball. Uh, Talk about baseball and how, you know, while other sports have become year-round sports, that one really always has been one. Right. Yeah, so where I'm at now, my off-season is two weeks. I get two weeks (laughs) to where I don't touch a weight and I don't touch a ball, and that's it. I come home earlier mid-September, and I'm back at it in October. Um, It's just you have to be prepared because I believe at some point during the season there's there's a peak, and you want to try and hit that peak right in the middle, and you want to try and ride that peak till the end of the year. When I say peak, I mean your your peak performance. Um, So if you start your preparation late, you're never going to hit your peak in season, if that makes sense sense but it's uh it it is i mean baseball really is a year-round sport not saying i'm a big i'm a big believer in throwing all year but just doing it under control um don't be throwing bullpens all year but keep your arm moving all year so there's a good uh uh, system i like to use a good organization i like to use it's called drive on and they use like plow balls or filled with sand and the different weights and you can basically throw those even when you're not throwing bullpens and keep your arm action same, keep your arm arm action clean and still keep your arm moving because I feel like sometimes emotions can stay in motion you know and it's it's a lot easier to get yourself going if it's been in motion for two weeks longer than this guy over here you know gotcha so this is, a, this is a topic that we I've discussed with some friends a few times now. So when you look at every sport, when you compare, like, how the challenges of each sport, is baseball the hardest one to come back to after a layoff? Because you think about as a pitcher, think about rhythm for your wind-up and yeah. all of that. Think about as a hitter, you know, getting back oh, in rhythm yeah. there. Is baseball the hardest one to come back after a long layoff to? Because I believe it is. I would say so. Um, but, like, going back to kind of the level I'm at now, like, guys – don't stop hitting. They don't stop. I've never seen one of my teammates not hit in the cage all year. They hit in the cage 
all year. But if they had time off, it would be very hard for them to come back. Yeah. Um, just like for me, like I take two weeks off of throwing, I pick up a ball, and I'm like, this is weird. <laughs> you know? Um, and then, like, especially getting back into bullpens where you're throwing, you know, 85, 90, 95% of, of your effort and things aren't hitting right, things aren't clicking right, and you have to really, really work on it before you show up. But you get, I think I get six six or seven bullpens before spring training, so i got to have it figured out by then, you know. So when, when you were at White County High School, when did you when did it really start clicking for you that you could be a really dominant pitcher at that level? Um, so my freshman year was hard. I I learned a lot. Um, it was it was. I mean, I was facing guys that were three and four years older than me, sometimes five. And so I was learning a lot. Um, sophomore year, I was up to I think 85, 86. I was feeling really good. I was confident. Still couldn't hit in the field worth a lick, but <laughs> I could throw. And uh, you know, playing summer ball every year, like you said, year-round sport. But uh, there was a time I went to Tennessee Tech's baseball camp, and I had been to four of them in a row. Okay. And they didn't say a word to me the other three times. <laughs> the, the fourth time I was there for like a, I think it was like the winter before my junior season. Okay. And... We were throwing inside in their athletic performance center, and I hit 90. And they actually talked to me and called me and, you know, the ordeal, whatever. And at that point, I was like, maybe I am good enough. (laughs) You know, it was was like going into my junior year, I was like, maybe if they think I'm good enough, maybe I am. So... So who were, at, at that point in your career, from your junior season on, who, who were some of the toughest players that you had to pitch against? There was a bunch in summer ball, because it was, it, that competition was just a whole other level. But going, like, locally, um, <laughs> there was a big guy. He, he actually played football at Tech and then came over for a couple of falls of baseball. But his name is Jacob Edgington. <laughs> He's a... Big old boy. He was Cookville's quarterback, and he was their first baseman, and then he was throwing 92. <laughs> but uh, he was he was tough to face. Uh, Cookville had probably the best lineup. And then there was one year we played Bradley, and their center fielder was going to Tech. He was good. Um, but they're, I mean, they're, they're around when you play, like, a high school season, they're sprinkled in. But, like, you go play in high-level travel ball, it's like, one through seven. Every other, every hitter right. is a challenge. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, what are some of your favorite memories playing for White County? Uh, I know you've got to have a couple good Cookville Sparta stories. Being yeah, Sparta. Yeah. So, uh, I think while I was while I was here, we beat them two or three times. Okay. Which was good. We hadn't beat them in a while. <laughs> I think back. Uh, I can't remember what year it was, but um, there was there was two brothers that played here. Uh, Kyle and Logan Hicks, one of the brothers, their team beat him. Okay. But it was like going back to that, like we had beat him like two or three times while I was there, and I had pitched in each of those games. It was, it was, that was fun. Um, but I'd say one of my favorite memories is one of my, one of my best friends to this day played for Cookville. <laughs> uh, he got, we were playing, I think it was at home, and we were up, and they had runners on. They had a runner on first, and Big Edgington comes up, and my coach intentionally walks him. And I'm like, why didn't you let me face him, you know? So anyway, my buddy comes up, and he, you know, we're jawing at each other, whatever. And he takes a fastball right center off the wall. He scores two runs. (laughs) And he gets on second base, and he's like, that's two, Ethan, that's two. And I was like, no way, dude, no way you just did that to me. That that's probably one of my one of my favorite. Did you ever get him back for that? Or no, dude. He, the <laughs> he next, the, the next guy, the next guy hit a double and scored him, and then he slides on <laughs> the home plate and sticks his tongue out at me. I'm like, dang, <laughs> I'm just getting God all day. But, but it's moments like that that make the sport fun, right? Yeah, oh yeah. Competition is is, is the biggest part of it. Like like last year, just competition. I'm I'm going off topic a little bit, but last year, just like the competition part of it. There's this guy uh, for the Angels Double A. His name's Izzy Wilson. I had his number all year, bro. And it was like I would face him the same. I would pitch him the same way every single time. And uh, we were down there playing at their place one day, and uh, he was like, 
I guess in his head, he's just like, I'm not letting him beat me with the fastball in today. And then he put his foot down on like a like a one-two count and hit a grand slam. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. But it's just the fun and the competition of the sport, yeah. you know. You, you always learn cap. from that as well. Yeah, yeah. So uh, what was the recruiting process like for Tech? Then, like, How hard did they come after you? You mentioned they called you after that fourth time yeah. you went to that camp. How hard did they come after you to try to get you to go there? Um, so that was on a Saturday, and they gave me until Friday to decide. Wow. So they gave me seven days, six days. And I called him back on that Wednesday. It was His name is Brandon Turner. He actually owns a travel organization in Chattanooga now. But uh, I was like, man, I don't know if I can do that. I'd still be paying a good amount to go here, you know, whatever. And he was like, okay, well, if anything changes, let me know. And then the next day, which was Thursday, uh, I got a call from him again. And he was telling me that this wasn't his decision, but it was Braga's decision that they were going to give me more. Okay. And I was like, yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> so I, I committed pretty early. I played two seasons of high school already committed. Mm-hmm. So it was I was relaxed all year. Played. I'm about to the say, was I there played. was there any effect on that? As I was going to ask, was there I any was, effect, like not having to worry about yeah, that no, at that point? No pressure. I just went out there and had fun, and <laughs> I played better than as if I was pressing. You know what I mean? So, so you graduate, you go to Tennessee Tech. How big of a jump? Again, you know, you talked about middle school to high school. How big of a jump is it from high school to college ball, especially D1? Huge. It's it's so it's the best of the best from every high school yep. put together. That's what a lot of people have said is that, you know, if you're the insane. guy at your school, everybody you're facing was yeah. the guy at their school. Right, and the guy at this school is probably better than you. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it's, so it's the first first time when you get there, it's, it's competition among the team. And that's that was weird for me at first because you're competing with a spot from guys that are on your same team. Yeah. You know? Um, but I showed up, and we had a kid that was 6'8". <sighs> We had, we had uh, Kevin Strosheim. He broke all the records. I was like, Then we had another kid from, from like, Knoxville area that was really good, two-way player. Um, we had another kid that was supposedly up to 93. I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm never going to play. <laughs> and I show up in there, and I'm, like, 140 pounds soaking wet. And I, I was like, man, I'm never going to play. You're thinking, know? this is the ball boy, right? Yeah, yeah. It was not good. I was like, oh, man, I'm never going to play. But... <laughs> You get to that point, and it's been, kind of been like this my whole career because, I mean, I was at a mid-major D1, and we're playing big games. And you got nothing to lose. So when I walked in that locker room, I was like, I got nothing to lose. You know. So I just kept my nose down, did my stuff, competed when he asked me to compete, and it earned me a role. And I stuck in that role for three years. Did you have on the field, did you have a welcome to Division One moment or, or welcome to college ball moment? <laughs> um, I'm trying to think because we, we face, you know, you face each other in the, in the fall. Mm-hmm. I had to face our starting lineup every time. Yeah. <laughs> they wanted to test me. And I had to face our starting lineup every time. And I'm, I'm 99.9% sure that it was this guy's name is Tyler Brazelton. Um, he was a junior whenever I was there, and he he took me deep on his first at bat against me. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Every time after that, I had his number, but yeah. he took me deep, won at bat. I'm pretty sure it was him uh, in my first in my first inter squad. I got you. But, so you were also you were on the tech team mm-hmm. that made like the really deep run to the soup to was it the super regional? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, so we had we had two years, man. We went okay. um, sophomore year. We went to a regional at Florida State. Mm-hmm. Ended up losing. We beat Florida State and then lost two. Yeah. And then the next year, it just got even better. We went, we won 28 games straight in the season. Um, ended with over 50-something wins. So yeah. Maybe, maybe more, 50-something wins. And then, yeah, we went to – our regional was Ole Miss, mm-hmm. and we had to beat Ole Miss twice in the same day, beat them. They were the SEC champion that year. <laughs> and then we had to go play Texas, beat Texas day one, and then lost two. Mm-hmm. But it was a ride, man. It was it was super cool. Winning 28 straight games, I don't know if I can really fathom that. You know, I think back crazy. to a few years ago when the Indians won, I think it was 23 straight yeah, or whatever. I can't fathom as a baseball right. in baseball winning that many games. Of course, nobody talks about it in the locker room. Right. Right? Like that's no, the no, rule, no, no. right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> and and it, with that streak, too, it wasn't like we were playing, like, Alabama A and M every time. We were playing good teams. We in the middle of that streak, I think Tennessee and Vanderbilt were two of the teams that were in the yeah. middle of the streak. Two two high level SEC programs. Yeah. And 
Uh, two that year, we didn't lose a single midweek game. We didn't lose a single that, one. That's impressive. That's that's the ground that's, that's, game. That's hard to do. So <laughs> right in the middle of this, I think it was like our twenty something. It was right in the middle of like twenty one or twenty two, twenty second win or whatever. We were playing Alabama A and M at Alabama A and M. Okay. And I had pitched on Sunday, and this was on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. And Brad asked me. He said, "You're gonna make this trip?" And I was like. Get me out of class. He's like, yeah. I said, yeah, I'll make the trip. <laughs> so uh, anyway, he has me running the books and the radar gun in the, in the stands, and we go down by like four runs to he looked at Alabama A and M. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what are we gonna do? This is game 22 of whatever, you know. What I mean? <laughs> and uh, he looks up at me and he's like, hey, come down here. Secret weapons. Like, okay. <laughs> I go in there and he's like, you brought your jersey and pants, right? And I was like, I mean, yeah, you told me to. And he's like, put them on. I'm like, are you sure? I pitched on Sunday, coach. He's like, put them on. And uh, so I put my pants on, put my jersey on, get everything ready. And he's like, go to the bullpen. You got five minutes. I was like, sick. (laughs) So I'm, you know, trying to do bands and stretch and go, whatever. And uh, he kind of runs down there and he's like, are you ready yet? And I'm like, yeah. And it had been like two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I throw like three pitches on the mound. And uh, well, anyway, we're down by four. He's like, all right, we're not losing the streak. And I was like, okay. So he goes back in there, walks in the dugout, walks right straight out, goes to the mound and calls me in. And I had to pitch, I think I pitched four innings. <laughs> After not planning on doing anything. <laughs> and uh, we ended up winning that game and kept the streak alive. That was, that was probably one of my funniest moments with Tech. That was, that was hilarious. So, uh, what was it like making that deep run? You mentioned going to the Ole Miss Regional, playing them, playing Texas. What yeah. was it like making that deep run in, in the postseason? Because, obviously, yeah, a lot of things have to go right for a team oh, in any yeah. sport to make it that deep. Right. But, you know, in baseball, it, it's so dependent on everybody on the yeah. team. There's nowhere for you to hide on the field yeah. when you're playing. Talk about that run and what went yeah. right for you all. Um, so, the way we actually got into the postseason in general was uncharacteristic of a mid-major. Mm-hmm. Um, we lost our conference tournament to Moorhead State. Yeah. And we got in that large bid, first that large bid in OVC history. Was that a shock to y'all? Yeah. You well, didn't... to everybody else but us. I got you. I got <laughs> so, you. <laughs> we had won 50-something games, mm-hmm. and it was like, we can't keep this team out of the, super, or out of the postseason. Exactly. So, anyway, they, they gave us, I think it was a three. We were two-seed. We were two-seed at Ole Miss. And uh, which was like, holy cow! They actually think we're good. That's good. But anyway, we had to play. We went down there, and uh, like that stadium is unbelievable. I don't miss. It's nice. it's beautiful. But the first the first day we were there, it actually flooded. The yeah. whole field flooded. Um, but anyway, it, it was it was a beautiful stadium. You know, you got. Tens of thousands of people screaming at you, yelling at you. Right field at Ole yep. Miss is the is the beer shower. Yep. <laughs> we got that a couple times, um, but just the atmosphere of it was was really really cool. There it was Missouri State, St. Louis, Ole Miss, and us. And we beat Missouri State day one, lost to Ole Miss day two. That night had to play Missouri State again, just to stay alive. Just to stay alive, and then we woke up the next morning and had to beat Ole Miss twice. Um, I pitched in the first game. Got hot in the bullpen for the Missouri State game. So that was one day, next day, got hot again in the bullpen, and then I started the first game at Ole Miss against Ole Miss. The third Do you remember game. your outing that day at all? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that was that was one one outing. Well, not just that one outing, but, like, that had a, a, a big part to play in, I, I think, where – scouts thought of me at in certain slots, certain okay. rounds, certain whatever. Because I threw seven seven and a third innings against them on not even day's rest. Yeah. Because I went pitch, got hot, and then threw seven and a third innings. So you, you didn't have even you didn't even have a full day off. No. And I pitched I think it was I think I pitched, I pitched uh, seven scoreless and then they scored a couple on me in the seventh and they pulled me. Yeah. But yeah it was that was that was the game that kind of made. It was like, okay, we can trust this guy with yeah. a with a draft pick now. Yeah. That kind of helped me out. And uh, the main reason why I started that game, my coach is like, "Hey, uh, you gonna start today for us?" <laughs> I was like, "I mean, I'll do whatever you tell me to do." But <laughs> coach, I'm, I'm you're hang- the one in charge. Here. I'm hanging. He's like, "Well, if I go in there and tell these guys that that you're starting and they get excited, then they're starting." 
and if I say it and they're like, oh man, he's probably tired, you know, or, then you won't. And I was like, okay. Everybody goes nuts. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm starting. Let's do it. That amp you up a little <laughs> oh, bit yeah. for the start. Yeah. I mean, and, and that team we had was the best team camaraderie, friendship. I mean, it was, we were, we were tight, dude. It was super cool. And that's very rare to have because normally you have a lot of team division in the locker room, people trying to fight for innings. And it's like, we didn't have any of that. It was it was really cool, um, and I mean credit to to Matt for making the team wired like that. Like it's that's hard to do because nine times out of ten you got at least two or three guys that are complaining all the time, trying to get innings yeah. or trying to get at bats. You know we didn't have any of that, so it was everybody was behind each other. So you mentioned that 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 was probably the game where scouts were like, okay, we can trust you with a draft pick now. This yeah. is what I was alluding to. So let's talk about the MLB draft because yeah, yeah. you know you look at the NBA draft and the NFL draft. You get picked in the first round there. You're expected to contribute right. the following season. Right. The MLB draft is so much is so different compared yeah. to that because that's more of a if you uh, if you work hard, right. two and a half three years from now we could yeah. be talking about you know a September call up. Like, right. uh, what was the draft like for you? Um, so the whole time, I thought, you know, I'm going somewhere in the teens, and I'm going to go to the athletics, is what my, my agent had told me. Okay. I was like, that's probably something. I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly fine Oakland, with not bad. Not yeah, a bad I'm location. Cool. And they're very analytical, which yeah. is good for me, because my, my analytics is kind of what I do best. But So we're actually on the bus back from Ole Miss. And we stopped at a Zaxby's on our way back. <laughs> and my agent, it was day two. So day two, back then, draft has changed now. But that, back then, it was day two is two through ten. Yeah. And uh, so he calls me, and he's like, keep your phone on. You never know. And I'm like, bro, what the heck? I'll get my hopes up. I'm not going day two. Just leave me alone. <laughs> so I put my phone back in my pocket. When we got Zaxby's, we walked into Ross to try and kill some time. And got back on the bus, and I unlocked my phone to turn my music back on. And he was calling me. And I was like, I swear, <laughs> this guy is just trying to make me stressed out, worried about it, <laughs> down the dumps, yeah. whatever. So I answer it, and he's like, hey, I need you to say yes. You got like two minutes, but I got you a fourth-round selection with the Cubs. And I was like, okay. <laughs> um, he goes, uh, what? You going to say yes or no? And I was like, well, how much money? He goes, does it matter? <laughs> and I was like, you're right. No, it doesn't. And uh, so anyway, he was like, I'll tell him yes. And then, you know, I go on my phone and refresh the draft tracker. And then my name pops up. And I'm like, holy crap. You're like, it actually happened. That just happened. <laughs> like, you can't, it's like. Were, were any of your teammates, were any of them aware at the time or no? Uh, once I started bawling my eyes out, yeah. <laughs> Everybody came up there and was like. Oh, my God, bro. But, see, on that same day, too, my one of my other teammates got drafted on the seventh round, yeah. uh, Travis. And I remember him being up there on the phone, on the phone, on the phone, this guy, on the phone, this guy, on the phone, this yeah. guy. Oh, gosh. That was that was crazy, too. But, yeah, everybody was everybody was super pumped for both of us that day. <laughs> it, was, it was fun. So, you mentioned the money obviously didn't matter to you, but, yeah. I mean, it couldn't have hurt at that point, right? Yeah, for sure. So, like, slot value, they, they had – the reason why I got – I found out later, the reason why I got – drafted in the fourth instead of later like I was supposed to one my agent worked a miracle yeah <laughs> two um they, we had a high school kid that they wanted to draft and he wanted over slot he wanted more money yeah so slot for the fourth round was like really close to half a million dollars yeah I didn't get nowhere close to that because they took money from me and gave it to him yeah and that was the reason why I got that pick yeah so I was like hey I'm cool with that. Yeah. You know, whatever. <laughs> I ain't worried about it. So now I can say, thanks to my agent, I can say I'm a fourth rounder instead of a 14th. Which, which I mean, you know, fourth yeah. round, you know, you compare that to like the NFL, that's a mid-round yeah. pick. And the yeah. MLB, I mean, that's a pretty high round that's pick. That's huge. Yeah, oh yeah, that's huge. And, and it's it's because back then there was 40 rounds. Yeah. Fourth round is like. You're in the top 10% of super that. Super cool. I mean. Yeah, it was like, I think it was like, uh, it was like pick 14, 48 or something like that. I can't remember. But, yeah, <laughs> it was crazy. So what was it like the first time you got to play minor league ball? Then what was that? What was that? Where did they send you first? <laughs> yeah, you're talking about funny stories now. <laughs> um, I showed up. And they sent me to Arizona, physicals, bullpens, whatever. They sent me to 
our, our short season rookie ball team, uh, the Eugene Emeralds. And I met the team on the road in Boise, Idaho on July the 4th. Okay. And I didn't pitch that day. I pitched, I think, a day or two later. But <laughs> I go out there for my outing, and at this time, I, I needed glasses. Okay. And I hadn't gotten any, <laughs> so I could not see the signs. Because at Tech, we would do touches, Yeah. so I wouldn't have to see the numbers. Yeah. And I hadn't gotten any glasses. Are you about to give me, like, the major league story here? Like, this, where you, where you maybe, put on glasses and all of a sudden? Yeah, maybe funnier. So, <laughs> uh, I go out there. I'm warming up. I go out there, and my catcher, you know, meets, and we talk about, you know, what I throw and whatever. He doesn't speak a lick of English. First time you had to deal with that? And I'm like, yeah. And I was like, uh, okay, one fastball <laughs> dose <laughs> you know what I'm saying I'm like and he's like okay yeah 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 so I get down there we first batter comes up and I told him I was like I gotta do touches I can't see and he goes okay didn't understand what I said yeah he goes down there and goes fastball <laughs> and I was like he goes fastball <laughs> and I stepped off and I was like come here you know and it took us 20 minutes to figure it out. I swear it felt like an hour. Wait, was it all in the first inning? I didn't even throw a pitch. Oh, wow. And my, my, my pitching coach had to come out and try and translate. And the only thing that he could, could understand was that if he touched his face mask, it was fastball. That was the only thing he could understand. So he goes back there, and I pitched the entire first inning of my professional career, and everybody knew what was coming because he would do this. He would touch his face and put his glove up, and I was like, well, everybody knows it's fastball. <laughs> but, yeah, it was, it was crazy. <laughs> they did, they, how'd, how'd the inning go? That's the question. Um, so when you're young and fresh, fresh drafted and all that, you have pitch counts. Mm-hmm. So I got two outs on a 20-pitch count, and they pulled me, and then another guy got my last out for me. Okay. But I didn't give up a run, though. That was good. No, you didn't give up a run. Every, <laughs> everybody knows not, what's coming. Not bad for everybody to know what's yeah, coming. Yeah, I, mean, I, don't th- I don't think the average person, if you told them a fastball middle of the plate was coming, I don't think they could hit it. Right. So that was, that's pretty impressive. That you got crazy. through your first professional two outs yeah. with everybody know, knowing what's coming. That was nuts. So, so what was kind of that first little bit of professional ball like for you? How fast did you move up? What was that like for you? I had, honestly, a tough time in season okay um especially coming off i was coming off a year at tech where i had thrown 80 innings out of the bullpen and that's a lot for a reliever in college um so i was i was hanging like i talked to a guy this year one of the guys that was in the draft room whenever i got drafted this past year i talked to him this past year but he was in the draft room in 18 um he was like we were cussing the whole time you were pitching because we had just drafted you and at Texas I threw over 100 something pitches in two games yeah. and they were just cussing because they thought I was going to get hurt <laughs> you know? so they knew I was tired but they, they were like we've got to see what this kid's got so they sent me to Eugene and I was like you know whatever that's fine I mean, I'm excited about it you know whatever but I was hanging dude. I was probably throwing 88 your arm was, your arm was dead yeah that. dude I was tired and that was the that was the one year I think I took six weeks off from throwing after that. Okay. And then came back and uh, but anyway yeah that that first year was tough like one the fatigue and the, and the soreness but two I'm going to that that league and facing everybody else's first and second rounders yeah. so it's like the college thing all over again. Yeah. You're facing the best of the best from this high school, this high school, this high school. Yeah. Now I'm facing the best of the best from these private prep high schools where the yeah. kids are 19 or this, you know, guy that just signed for $5 million. So kind of like your IMG academies and yeah, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Or, 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 or guys, foreign, yeah. Yeah, this, there was one guy that, that I faced. He was, where did he play at? It was Salem Kaiser Volcanoes, but I can't remember what affiliate that was. But he, he had just signed a contract the year before for like $5.5 million just to sign his name. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's great. He's probably going to pepper one off me <laughs> get lucky and get a ground every once in a while but I was like oh my goodness and at that moment like I'd never seen anything like that mm-hmm. I hadn't like especially like that diversity it's a little bit of Sparta, a shock being from Sparta playing at Tech every I'm, I've been here my first <laughs> flight was when we flew to Texas like it was like crazy and then I go here and it's just like bang so that was that was kind of hard for me to get used to too but you know the next few years you kind of settle in and figure it out and figure yourself out too it's a lot of it's just figuring yourself out because a lot of it's worrying worrying about yourself and not worrying about what's going on around you too. 
So, obviously, you know, the big news is that you've obviously been added to the Cubs 40-man roster. Talk yeah, about that yeah. moment for you and how much how much of a gratifying moment that is, that yeah, is for your career. So that's honestly just as big as a draft pick in my eyes. Because um, it means you're right there. And they're taking a chance on me. They yeah. trust me, yeah. which speaks volumes to me. Because there's 20 other dudes that deserve a spot. You know, and it's just crazy that they have to narrow it down to 40, I guess. It's to me, but it's just like they're, all my all my other teammates that were up for it deserved it just as much as I did. Like, yeah. it's it's so hard to, to fathom that they would trust me for that. Like, it's 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 crazy, but I'll get to go to my, my first big league spring training, um, see everybody. I'll get to see one of my favorite pitchers, Marcus Stroman. Yep. <laughs> um, so it's it's exciting, like. And a lot of people never thought that I would make it this point. And it's cool to say, ha-ha, I told you so. It puts a lot in perspective when yeah. you look at the body of work, right? Right, yeah. People, I was telling my wife the other day, I was like, babe, I swear, some people just think I just pick up a baseball and can throw 95. Like, you I, trained, I trained for six months to do that. Mm-hmm. For six months, and then I do it all over again. And people, a lot of people just don't realize what, what goes into it. Like, it's it's crazy. Because on top of your physical practice, you have mental practice. And on top of your mental practice, you have to go take, you know, whether it's methodical or not, but you have to take reps of covering first base or getting a little bunt, bunt, uh, bunt in practice uh, and, you know, comebackers turn into, like, there's a lot that goes into it that people don't understand that takes so much time. Like, you take a round of PFPs, you're spending an hour of your time. And then before that, you've spent an hour throwing. And then after you get done with all that, you spend two hours lifting, and you're in it for four hours a day. That's almost, you know, really close to a full-time job if you're going seven days a week. It's, and that's just the training aspect of it. When we go to the field, I'm at the field for six, eight hours a day, you know? So, talk about. So, I noticed this when I kind of, because I have to do research obviously for each of these episodes. I noticed this when I was went through, going through your Twitter. I see a lot of Marcus Stroman. Oh, yeah. Have you had a chance to work with him a lot? No, or, man. He's, or, or, what about, what about his, him as a pitcher? What about him yeah. makes him one of your favorite pitchers? So, um, he was with Toronto when he yep. first got up. Well, he played, he played for Duke, uh, played for the Orleans Firebirds in the Cape, um, and then. Uh, he was with the Blue Jays, and I started following him as soon as he got in the league. Because um, dude's 5'6", five, 5'7". Five, and he's throwing heat. Throwing gas, and he's got some <laughs> of the nastiest stuff I've ever seen in yeah. my life. And I was the 5'8 guy that showed up to college at 130 pounds. So I was like, I'm going to do what that guy's doing. Because <laughs> it was like when I got to college, he was kind of going into Pro Bowl. And I was like, I'm going to do what that guy's doing. And so it was cool. Like, I don't necessarily model myself after him. But his brand is called Height Doesn't Measure Heart. And that's something I really connected with coming out of high school. Um, Because, like I said, the people that have doubted me, I'm not done yet. But taking this little step in my career, it's like, I told you I could. You didn't believe me when I was a sophomore in high school telling you I was going to do it. But I did it. So can you imagine what it'll? I don't know. This is an impossible question to ask, but can, no. can, is it possible for you to imagine <laughs> that first time you take the mound at Wrigley? Is it? It's, you know, whenever that happens, it's probably gonna be unfathomable because <laughs> one of the most legendary you see, parts. Of the, yeah, the and you see, you see pictures of Wrigley, and you're like, man, that, that place is massive. It looks huge. You know, whatever. So I was in, I was in South Bend my second year, and on the All Star break, uh, my wife and me and her family went to. Wrigley and toured it. They gave us like, where you know, go in the locker room, whatever. But we we go from the locker room to the dugout and walk out the top. And I was like, and the first thing, you know, as my wife this day, first thing I turned around and I said to her, I was like, this is the same size field I play on. <laughs> but it looks so big. It looks so much bigger, you know. But you kind of have to, like in that moment, like I I just went out there and closed my eyes. And, like, to this day, mental imagery is a big thing for me. So I will close my eyes and imagine and think about myself in certain places, certain situations. You hear it, you taste it, you smell it, literally everything. And it sounds super weird, but it's, like, <laughs> a big thing that's part of – I mean, it's, like, another level 
of your ability that you can unlock is is that mental ability. And so I will close my eyes and imagine myself at Wrigley because I remember what it looks like. And but did it with fans in there, <laughs> with a guy in the box, and in some a close of the, game, and some of the best players behind me. I'm not gonna know what to do, honestly. <laughs> I'd have to experience it and tell you later. I have no idea because it's it's crazy. Cause that's one of the most iconic places to play. So. So, before we close out, I asked you this a little bit before we got on here, but so far in your career, who are some of your, who are some of your favorite hitters that you've gone against? That yeah. One, one that you know will be at the next level. You know, so yeah. Obviously, you've pitched against a lot of people in the minors yeah. at this point. Who are some of your favorites that you've pitched against? Um, let's see. I'll kind of start from the beginning. Joey Bart, I faced him in short season. He was really good. Um, I faced Wander Franco in South Bend. And he's he tearing one, it up with the Rays. He hit one back at my my face at 104 and somehow it went in my glove I really don't know but yeah he I knew exactly who he was and I was like I'm just gonna throw as hard as I can see if he can hit it and he hit it pretty square he barreled it up he hit it back at me harder than I threw it at him uh, but he, he was he was really good uh, I faced a lot of uh, guys that had been a little bit of showtime a little bit of not showtime in double A there was a couple guys from the Reds that were really good I think the, the shortstop had been called up and then sent back down uh, Garcia, maybe. Um, and then AAA was just full of them. <laughs> I mean, Jose Miranda with the Twins. Um, I had to face Byron Buxton. He was he When he was, was rehabbing, rehabbing yeah. yeah. Um, I faced Adalberto Mondesi when he was rehabbing. Oh, God. Yeah, you, you, faced, you, faced, you faced some of the Hale Central's life. Yeah, dude. It's, yeah. It's, but it's so fun because you learn and you grow so much facing those guys. I, I remember Buxton stepped in the box, and I was like, <laughs> This dude looks like he's right up on me. He's so big. He's massive. And he's fast, too. He's, he's got he's hop lot, and he's fast. Yes. Um, and then who else? Let's see. Um, I face just – I'm trying to think of, like, guys that have showtime. Uh, Cole Tucker was really good with, with the Pirates. Uh, Jared Olivia, Olivia was good with the Pirates. Um their first baseman, I can't remember his name, but anyway, he, he made his debut. Actually, I think he played most of the year with the Pirates, first baseman. But anyway, and then, but like the prospect side of it, Jose Miranda was one of them. And then, like, uh, I'd say the best team that I faced, one through nine, was that uh, Omaha team. Yeah, they were pretty unbelievable. As a Royals fan, I'm very excited <laughs> for what that. It's I'm very insane. excited for what for what they, they could do. That I'm team could excited. compete in the big leagues. Yeah, they could take that AAA roster and compete. It's just pop up and down the lineup, right? Yeah, you got Bobby Witt, you got Nick Prado, you got MJ Melendez, and then you mix a little vet uh, uh, McBroom in the mix. And then at some point you had to deal it's with like, Alberto Mondesi. Yeah, it's like like this isn't fair to certain. And they had another outfielder. I can't remember his name, but he was really good too. Um, but yeah, it's it's insane. Yeah. The the amount that I learned. In AAA, I got my teeth knocked in, and I had to come back from it multiple, multiple times in AAA because it's the best, the, like it's the top 1%. Yeah. Like it's crazy to think about the top 1%. Like if you can think about all the baseball players in the world and think about the 1%. That's what it is. It's insane. I think that I, I'm glad to hear that because I think a lot of people have this misconstrued idea of what AAA is. That oh, it's you know that it's for guys that were too good for AA aren't good enough for the majors. Yeah. But that's not what it is at all. Obviously, no, not at all. But a lot of these guys are up big, down big, or not up big, down big. They're up and down all the time. So, like. I couldn't think of the guy's name. Was it Edward Olivares? Was that who you were thinking Olivares, about? The Olivares. Was that who you were Tigers. thinking of? Right. I, I think I think you know, he's with the Royals. Okay. You said there was another outfielder. He was up and maybe, down all maybe. year. Yeah, might oh, have been him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. might have been him. There was another guy with the Tigers suit that uh, uh, Oliveira. So I faced. I really think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's just. I mean, the what one of the guys told me when I was in Triple A was the guys in the big leagues are just as good as the guys in Triple A. They're just or the, the guys in Triple A are just as good as the guys in the big leagues. I said that backwards. But the guys in the big leagues are a little bit more consistent. That's it. Yeah. The talent is the same. Yeah. And then you sprinkle in prospects like Bobby Witt and Prado and Melendez. Melendez hit 40-something bombs last year. <laughs> it's like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> so, yeah, you sprinkle those guys in there along with vets that know how the game works. And then you got these prospects learning from the vets. It's, it's dangerous. 
So last baseball-related question for the majors. When eventually you do get to the majors, who is the hitter that you're looking forward to the most going up against? I, I hope it's not just the easy Mike Trout answer, but, but who are you looking forward to going up against the most? Oh, goodness. That's a tough one. Because there's, there's a lot of great ones out there right so, now. Absolutely. The way, the way this guy is and the way this guy swings and the way he competes is exactly what would defeat him. Okay. And that's the reason why I want to face him. Okay. It's bogus yet. Okay. That's I, 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 yeah, the way I throw is like okay. it's like rise cut fastballs at the top of the box, okay. and and he kills that. And he kills. <laughs> um, either him or Nick Castellanos. Okay, that's Both another. Both of them are kind of the same. You know, yeah. they can get to the top of the box, and that's kind of where I would live. And I would want to try and beat them with your because stuff. they know they know they can beat me. Yeah. But I would want to try. You know what I'm saying? I got you. But yeah, those two guys are probably the two that I would really like to face. All right, fair enough. That's two. That's two really good hitters. To be yeah, fair, that's yeah, two. Yeah. Like you've got a lot to choose from. I was right. sitting there thinking Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, right. Ron Acuna Jr. A lot, yeah, yeah. a lot of examples out there. So to, to end this off, I end these all the same way. Just give some free game to younger athletes. What's for any younger athletes that maybe want to get to one day where you got to, and obviously yeah. you've gotten very very far with baseball in your life. Yeah. What's some advice you would give them, and then yeah. your younger self? What's something that you would go back and tell your younger self? I would tell my younger self, first off, to be more consistent. Okay. Like, I would go in, and at the beginning of it, I would do a little, or I would do a lot of little. I'd go in three days a week, and I would stay for two hours, and I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm getting way better. <laughs> but the way it is, is like, you got to go for six, seven days a week, and yeah. be in there for an hour, and knock it out, and leave. Yeah. Be in there for an hour, and knock it out, and leave. Recovery is important. Um, like, I've got, I do pitching lessons while I'm home. And recovery to me is one of the biggest things um, with, with my kids. So to me, that would be one of the things I would say to younger kids now: plan, compete, compete, compete your butt off. Because if you compete, nobody's ever going to shame you. If you're trying your best, nobody's ever going to shame you. But if you show up to practice with your hat turned sideways and your jersey untucked and your cleat untied, you're not trying and you don't care, don't try and be flashy, just do your job, worry about you, don't worry about everybody else, like a coach tells you to pick up, hey, let's pick up BP, you got the mats out and everything, don't be standing around to see who's going to pick it up, you pick it up. Be the first one. Yeah. Um, be on time, it doesn't take any, any effort, extra effort to be on time, be on time. You're not going to kill yourself if you're on time. Be on time. If you're not on time, you're gonna kill yourself. You're probably gonna be running. <laughs> but that would be that would be the thing I would say I would say to, to younger kids is just you know don't ever look back and say I could have done more. Be that a little a lot, five six days a week, whether it's thirty minutes in the cage or meeting up with your buddy to long toss or even a different sport, just going and shooting for an hour or running routes with a couple of your buddies at the at the rec park for 20 30 minutes and do that every day that's better than you doing it for two days a week for two hours give yourself time every day to get better somehow whether it's recovery whether it's practice whether it's whatever because you kind of get in a routine of doing something every day and it's it's so much better for you if you get in a routine and do that but yeah on top of that just compete your butt off Believe every time you step on whatever field or court you're on that you're better than everybody else out there. And that doesn't mean you have to wear it on your sleeve, but it's internal. It's not external. Again, that is former White County and Tennessee Tech baseball player Ethan Roberts.